everyone. Welcome to Reality 2.0. We are back a little sooner than we were uh, in, for previous episodes, and Doc is going to give you the heads up about why that is. And thanks for joining us. So we, we, we've made a little decision here, which is that we're going to make this podcast more regular and we're going to have guests, but we're also going to just talk amongst ourselves because we are, we think interesting enough people and <laughs> observant enough and different enough. So, uh, so that we can, um, you know, kind of have a three dimensional, at least three dimensional perspective on things that are going on in the world and, uh, and do it in a way that if you listen to it a month or two from now or, or longer, it's still going to make some kind of sense. So, but we'll, you know, we'll still be focused on tech. Um, we'll be focused on stuff that's going on now. But I think speaking for the three of us, uh, but mindful of what's important and persistent as an issue, you know. So, uh, so Catherine, why don't you tell us where we're going to, we shared amongst ourselves, like maybe four, four topics we could touch on. Uh, we'll give ourselves like roughly an hour and uh and and see where it goes so where what's top of your mind right now or maybe it's just like for people who are new just introduce ourselves I'll, I'll yeah do, yeah so I, i'm yeah i'm doc searles look me up i was um an editor with linux journal for 24 years for most of its existence and uh what brought me together with uh catherine and petros uh, i do other stuff but you can look it up yeah so i'm catherine Druckmann. i also was with Linux Journal for many, many years. I was responsible for keeping the site going and a lot of other things that involved many, many hats. And uh, now I am pretty much a full-time Drupal nerd. Also pretty easy to Google. <laughs> now instead of hats, we wear headphones. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm also a uh, wine and decorative arts enthusiast, which is a complete aside. Uh, always interested in discussing uh, the history of material culture. Yeah, so Petros. Yeah, I'm Petros Kotupis. I met these two wonderful people at uh, Linux Journal, although my time with Linux Journal was not as long as uh, Dr. Catherine. Um, wonderful time, wonderful uh, friends. And uh, yeah, I'm a software developer. I've uh, been a software developer in, in the uh, open source community. And uh, I too am uh, interested in, in history, a history buff, and just a passion of mine when I'm not uh, diving into technology. Petros has a great looking map behind his head. And um, uh, for those of us who are not watching, which is everybody, and, and also we're in three different places. That's true. I'm in California. Catherine, you're in Houston, and Petros is in Chicago. Yep. So roughly. And I have an old Linux journal poster on my, on my wall just <laughs> for nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, my office is covered in maps. Now, I would pick up my MacBook and show you, but it's kind of tied down. But I have maps on every wall. Um, I actually have some authentic uh, medieval maps up that uh, I need to take special care of. Um, wow because they're very old and very, very aged. Yeah. yeah I have very a few wine maps. But for, from the age before they had push pins. Yeah. There's a company called, if you like maps, there's a company called Wine Folly that has really, if you like maps and wine, great, great wine map. So we've been talking about a, a few things and I think we narrowed it down to 
three key things we'd like to, to touch on. And one of the things that I thought we could talk about is the new idea of working from anywhere. It's not just working from home. It's, it's the fact that, that we're all um, able to be on the go more than, than ever before. And by we all, I, I really mean the, the fortunate few who are able to, to work this way. But, but we can touch on that a little bit more in a bit. The other thing we've been talking about is Facebook. Facebook is, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that Facebook could become more controversial than it has been over the last, I don't know, five plus years. But I think, I think our political climate and the, the uh, pandemic have sort of brought things to a head and Facebook is more problematic than ever, I would say. And then the other thing that we've talked about a bit off, you know, offline is uh, surveillance. And we you know we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but, but recently, you know, the three of us have discussed elsewhere, you know, some recent news that suggests that surveillance isn't even, uh, digital surveillance isn't even all that effective. Um, you know, and that can, can be from anything, anything from, you know, security, uh, facial recognition, to contact tracing apps. Uh, you know, there's more and more evidence that these things actually don't even work. So, you know, why do we plague ourselves with them? So with that in mind, I think, you know, maybe we should start with this uh, article that Petros drew our attention to about more remote workforce. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey I don't even know how yeah, to We're just staring at you this. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was an interesting piece. I have been reading more and more of these articles in the uh, last couple of months. Not, well, maybe even since, since uh, April or, or May. And that is, we're starting to find more and more people or more and more companies are starting to adapt to the current pandemic in that their, their employees are working uh, remote or adopting more remote infrastructures, more remote uh, uh, ways of, of, of working. And that's allowing the employees to adopt new lifestyles. And when I say new lifestyles, moving away from these cities, the more expensive cities that they're probably currently living in and to a more rural or suburban environment. And I don't know, the article that uh, I shared earlier uh, seems to touch on that. So I think companies resisted the idea of a fully remote workforce, and now they've been forced to adopt it, right? There, there's really no choice other than having everybody who can be remote be remote right now. So, but, but the you know, unintended consequences of that is that how easy is it going to be to get people to come back into an office? I mean, th this idea of having these, these central hubs of activity are becoming less and less relevant, and the longer this goes on, the more people are going to be used to the convenience of working at home, working in an RV, working in their vacation house, working in an Airbnb uh, in the Caribbean, you know, wherever, wherever it is that they want to be. Um, people are, have become accustomed to it or the people. And, and I think it's important actually to take a couple of steps back and, and define who these people are. It's not everybody. It is a fortunate segment of the population that has the type of job that can be done from anywhere with an internet connection. Now, that's not everybody, obviously. You know, if you work in a restaurant, if you work in a bar, if you work in a grocery store, these things aren't possible. There are certain things that need to be done in person. 
um, and, you know, we have to, a doctor, you know, to an extent, you know, if you're a radiologist, you can review, you can review images from, from anywhere, but there are many things that, that need to be done in person. But for, for the rest of us, <laughs> like the three of us who can, who can, uh, you know, never leave the comfort of our home office, it's, uh, you know, it's becoming, it's, it's becoming the rule and not the exception. Yeah, actually, uh, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Pedros. Uh, okay, uh, I'm. I've lost track of how many companies I know that just are are basically folding it up. I mean, they're they're thriving as companies, um, but they're they're saying we're not going to send. We're just not going. To, we're going to get rid of our offices. You know, we're going to get rid of them. I mean, not just we're moving out. It's like we're a virtual company now. We're going to have like a few rooms here or there, but we're you know we're readjust. We're I think would what companies are recognizing is that the, the overhead of having big rent and parking and all kinds of stuff like that. There's a, a company we spoke to in London uh, a couple of days ago that was saying like that the cost of commuting, for example, into London is, is enormous. It's more than even in New York and, and, and other, a number of other big cities, it's really high. So, uh, even though it's nice to have an office in London, it's it's kind of great not to have to spend all that time in a train and a and uh, and a tube and uh, you know. But there are downsides. I mean, everybody seems to regret not having uh, you know the, the the you know the going out to the coffee shop and going out to lunch and going to the water cooler and the rest of that kind of stuff. But you know, they're also saving money. That's another thing. I mean, people are personally saving money. They're not going out as much. Um, that'll change when the pandemic is over. But uh, an, an interesting side to, of this to me is that there, I think our natural conviviality as people, we, we want to be with other people. We're social animals. We're going to want to gather. Uh, is gonna, are are going to pull a lot of companies back together to some degree. But the question is how much? And then what happens to all this surplus real estate? You know, in a city like New York, which is full of high rises where there are countless companies in there that are just going to be operating remotely. You know, all the law firms and things. I mean, there are a lot of law books and stuff, but all that stuff's, on, you know, on, it went into CDs 20 years ago and it's gone online since then. Yeah, you know, you, you subscribe to it. You can look through it. You don't necessarily need to be on site. Now, I suppose when you're, when you're, you know, looking at a lot of paperwork and stuff, maybe the law firms will have to get together and, but it's, it, I just like looking at the cascading effects downstream. We're not going to go back to the world we had. It's going to be very different. Yeah, it's it's a fundamental shift in the way that we live. And and then and I, I'm with you. The more interesting part is not is not that it has happened and that it's going to continue to happen, but what impact it's going to have on things like, well, I mean, the, you know, technology. There are obvious things like you know, Zoom Zoom is doing pretty well lately. I think I saw that their business was up three eighty percent over last year, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so their um, stock was down, but their business is, is well huge. after it was a. Up, After it was but, way too far up, yeah. Yeah, and then, but you know, things like Net, Netflix and Amazon are the economy now. I guess you know. I mean, how many times a week do, are you getting Amazon packages? Not so, as much as we used to, but that's because uh, we're itinerant. You know, you, you were saying that yeah. people we could be anywhere. I mean, right now I'm in Los yeah. Angeles. We live in Santa Barbara. We have an apartment in New York that we're neglecting. Somebody else is now in it. Um, you know, they're itinerant <laughs> as well. Yeah. It's it's, exactly. it's it's there's a kind of crazy improv that's going on. The impact yeah. on real estate markets is going to be really interesting. I thought, you know, increasingly, 
you know, smaller towns and smaller cities even that are, that have more seasonal economies, you know, things that are more tour tourist driven and whatnot, they could see a big, a big boom in their uh, more full-time residence just because if you can, you know, mm -hmm. now if you can live in, I, I don't know, pick a, pick a nice place in the mountains, you know, to live, then why wouldn't you, if you can, you know, and, I, and I mean, a lot of people. Depending and that's on sort of what, what the article was, was hinting towards, right? Yeah. Um, that, you know, you don't have to live. I mean, that's now, right. now that uh, more remote lifestyles, uh, work lifestyles are being adopted. You don't have to live in the city that you're working. You know, I, you know me, you know, I've been doing this for many years. I live in Chicago. My company is headquartered, or at least the group that I work with is uh, working out of Minneapolis. I mean, that's, yeah. I'm not going to commute uh, six or seven hours uh, to the yeah, Mall no, of America. Yeah, no, that doesn't seem practical. Yeah. Even, even uh, the communication from uh, the company itself, they don't know when we're going to go back into the office. And, uh, well, we as in my teammates, not myself. Uh, but, you know, even when we do, how is that gonna, going to look like? Uh, I don't know. I, and, and the company doesn't know. Is it going to be structured in such a way to, to allow fewer individuals to, to come in? I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. It's going to be interesting though. Yeah. It is interesting. You know, and what's, what is it going to do to, to cities that have traditionally been tech hubs? Is there, exactly. is there, is there a need for a well, tech hub anymore at all? Well, that's an interesting question because I mean, there's been an exodus out of Silicon Valley for years already anyway. Um, I left in 01, but here's an interesting thing. And I think both of you guys came along later. Uh, but Linux Journal, I mean, when I started with Linux Journal in 96, uh, and then when I kind of went full-time in 98, I just started writing in 96. But when I went full-time in 98, it was expected that I would come up for a week a month or close to a week a month to Seattle where we had offices like in the Ballard Building in the Ballard District of Seattle. And, and Linux Journal was a hive of activity. Yeah, uh, was it and 60 people or something? It was? I don't know if it, I didn't, I don't, I'd be surprised if it was that many, but it was a lot. I mean, it was 20, 30 people, something like that. And, you know, there was a, there was a geek cave or a geek hole or something like that where, where the geeks hung out. And, and there were, you know, there was the four people in like the, the editorial department that were, they were full-time on site. Uh, and, and then there were, you know, and, and then there were sales and there was, there was, it was like, it was a real publication doing that. And then when we moved from there roughly to Houston, but I don't, do we ever have an office in Houston? I yeah, think, we did. When I first we, started, but, we had an office. Yeah, but we pretty much went virtual. I mean, I think yeah, when, basically. when Carly took over, we, you know, because she was in Houston, we went, we went there. I, I was never at that office, though I did go one time to her wedding. That's, that's <laughs> what I, yeah. I went to her wedding. That was it. But other, but we didn't even see her in, in her home then, you know, and I've seen her countless times, you know, on this kind of thing, but you know, before yeah. we had zoom, there were, but there were only, we got along without it. You know, we, we, we were kind of modeled it a little bit, I think. Yeah. There were yeah. four people, four people in the office when I started, I was one of the four. Yeah. <laughs> it was a yeah. tiny little office, but we had one and it was fun. It was fun. But increasingly, you know, I think I sort of led the, I don't, you know, I'm only going to come in half days. You know, and you know what the first reason was? Uh, my internet yeah. connection was many times faster at home than it was in the office. I'm so like, I have videos to upload, thing. so I'll see you guys later. <laughs> so, so I heard today from somebody I can't say, but they, somebody I know who is in the fiber business, and said that 
there is, you know, I mean, first of all, all of the cable companies are cranking up their speeds now, or most of them are. They're all cranking it up, mostly just on the downstream side, but they're basically maxing out the capacity they have. I mean, what they did before was like, we're going to throttle this and we're going to give you tiers of, but basically in order to give you tiers of, of speeds, they basically had to throttle it anyway. So like, why not, why not stop throttling it and just let the maximum speeds come through? So that's what the cable companies are doing. The phone companies are trying to go to 5G and the, um, uh, but it's the, the ones you haven't heard of, the fiber companies, the, the kind of, smaller fly under the radar fiber companies that are fibering up all over the place. It's a real trend. And, and it's, it's sort of like, it's kind of dawning on the larger industry that we are, there's an end state here. The end state is we get fiber as close to people as possible in as many places as possible. And that's going to give everybody a lot more speed and a lot more capacity. I mean, one of the things, uh, uh, my wife, Joyce, who, you know, and she's been involved in Linux journal too. Um, said right when this happened, when this went down, it's like, wow, history just went forward 10 years. You know, I mean, we, you know, that's what COVID did in a way. It's like we, you know, you're gonna have to work at home. You have to figure out some new things. But part of that going forward 10 years is like, okay, let's just give, let's give people the speeds that they need. You know, every, you know, theaters are gone. You're going to be watching your entertainment at home. We're just going to give you speed. So you're shaking your head, Petros. I, I, I miss theater popcorn. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Oh I can't stand it. Oh. No, you know, <laughs> been, even yeah. even though going oh, to the movies, the even, smell. I love oh, it. I can't walk into a movie theater. Even though uh. it got it got so expensive, you know, just the the thing that my wife and I and the kids enjoyed doing at least once or twice a month was to go to the movies, even if we didn't really yeah. care about the movie. Just the yeah. movie experience. I yeah. miss it. I, I used to, we used to every once in a while go to one of those super fancy ones with the really cushy recliners and the little yeah. soundproof pods so you can't hear the people next to you. Oh, so great. I met, and that, you know, serve dinner and drinks and whatnot. Those are so great. But <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, that, that'll come back eventually. Although, right this second, I cannot wrap my head around the idea of doing that. But, you know, everyone's, you know, comfort level is different. But I certainly wouldn't do that right now. But you know, so, so Doc, the, the fiber thing is an interesting uh, point. It kind of reminds me of like food supply issues. So, you know, early on, restaurants shut down, right? There was the first thing to, to shut down. And suddenly the food supply is so disrupted because it's used to working a certain way. There is an established um, supply chain and it is that you send all this this massive bulk quantity out to restaurants and, and, to, and to an extent grocery stores but most of the food was going to restaurants it seemed and it was packaged differently and paper towels and toilet paper were packaged differently and all of these things have had to be completely um, reestablished so that it goes into individ goes to individuals to consumers yeah. instead of to uh, wholesale and it's it's kind of the same it's the same as bandwidth all the bandwidth isn't going to downtown houston anymore or downtown you know los angeles or wherever it used to go you know now people are needing faster and faster speeds um but you know spread yeah. out into residential areas and it's it's an interesting uh, thing i think you know it the food supply thing seems to have you know leveled out i would assume that the, the, the internet speed thing will also. So, so here's a question. This is a, just a technical question. Maybe one you guys will be able to answer better than me uh, because for listeners, they're both more technical than me. Uh, 
One of the things I heard about the fiber is that a big advantage of fiber is it's symmetrical. I mean, or it can be symmetrical where uh, the upstream speeds can be uh, the same as the downstream speeds or close enough to it. And that's where the demand is going to be. Finally, we're, you know, because more people are doing what we're doing now, you know, when, when you're going to want to upstream 4k video uh, with stereo sound or, or better sound um, and people are going to be more people are going to be producing at home and participating in, you know, not just in office stuff, but in all, you know, producing all kinds of stuff. Um, so the question for, for me about that is, one of the original dreams of the internet was, hey, we all have, we're all gonna have static IP addresses. We don't have to have DHCP everywhere. We can have static IP addresses where, um, you know, I, I can run, you know, I can run a production studio out of my house. And, and it, I have my, I mean, an interesting thing for me is that when I, started with Linux Journal in, in 96, I got a Linux server named Happy that was in a, in a, in a, in a cabinet and, and I had 16 fixed IP addresses. Now I only had like 140 kilobits symmetrical out of there, but, um, but I had static IP addresses. And then when I came to Santa Barbara, I had an office with, with six, this, another 16 static IP addresses. And, and I had the assumption when I'm sitting there, like I can do all kinds of stuff here, even though it was very little I could do at the time. But um, actually Santa Barbara had a T1. T1s are like a really big deal back then. Um, but, you know, do you see that happening where, where if, if, we, if there is a critical mass or let's say one of the small towns that, you know, the, the cities that are already fibered up where, hey, you're going to work at home, produce at home, you know, not just we're going to, dynamically assign you an IP address, but rather you get a fixed one and you can do whatever you want with it, including set up your own servers and the rest of it. What I guess, I guess it depends on what is the value for yeah. uh, the individual. I, I, I'm trying yeah. to just think it through and, and for somebody producing their own content, I mean, they're still going to upload that content to someplace else. They're not going to host it themselves. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. What is the value in having a static IP? I, I, I don't know. Maybe there is to, to, to some out sure there. there use cases. But I, I so feel like that's, static IPs that's just a technology shift. I don't necessarily yeah. think that's anything to do with um, our well, current. Well, don't technology shifts give, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, invention is the mother of necessity, right? You, you invent something right. and all of a sudden you find a use for it. It's like, you know, what? what can you do with a gig of upstream? You know, I mean, well, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, reality 2.0 live in 4k. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's part of where I want to go with this. <laughs> I don't you know, know. Maybe. I mean, a new reality is you've got, you know, you're in Lafayette, Louisiana or, or, or Provo, Utah. I'm trying to think of places that might have it, you know, um, that, that I think, that makes mm -hmm. me think of a completely different topic, which I was kind of thinking of a way to segue into, which you just sure. sort of handed me, which was, mm -hmm. um, and it's, I mean, it's not actually, you know, it's not a fun one actually, but that is the, the increasing disparity between the realities of people like us and people who really can't adapt to a remote uh, livelihood. There, you know, there are all these people, you know, you know, I've, I've been watching left and right, the, the, you know, horrible stories. People, people can't, well, they just can't work. They depend on a face-to-face -face economy. There, there's no option for them right now. They're getting evicted. 
um, their kids don't have internet access, so they're getting left behind in school. Um, and uh. so it, the re where I, you know, segued into this was the idea of, um, of uh, you know, internet access in, in smaller towns or in more rural areas that didn't, weren't necessarily covered, but it's, it's not just rural areas. It's, it's really, it's, it's a geographic issue and it's a, an income issue. You know, lower income people frequently just don't have access. I'm sure we all saw the, the photos of the, the kids with their school issued iPads hanging outside. I think it was a McDonald's just right. to try and get the Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah. You no. Know? And, and, you know, that's something that I think we as a society have to solve today or yesterday. You know, we have to solve that right now right. because, because it's going to lead to more and more, um, well, disparity, which leads to conflict and, and, you know, other, other things. Yeah. Well, what I will say is, at least in our uh, area, uh, or at least the Chicagoland area, uh, certain uh, ISP providers such as uh, Comcast or Xfinity is what they go by over here, uh, are offering, I think, I don't know, it is definitely for a limited time, but are offering lower income uh, households with free or very discounted access to, um, you know, to, to, to broadband. So that way their, their children will, are going to be able to do what they need to do to do their uh, remote learning, but it doesn't solve the problem of how can the child do the remote learning without a parent at home. Or with a, without a home. I mean, or without cases, a home. Exactly. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're facing eviction and well, then what do they do? You know, and which is a completely separate problem that internet access isn't going to solve. But you know, I I was watching you know a news story of, of a family literally they're you know the news is covering them being escorted out of their apartment and it's awful and and they they had children and I thought well you know those kids obviously you know sending the kids to school or, or or virtual school is is probably the lowest thing on their priorities sadly but you know it, it occurred to me well you know what if what if there was a program to get those people like mobile broadband? I mean, the ability to look for employment and, and, and get an education is completely dependent on internet access these days, just about. So I don't know. It's just, it's well, these are the essential about. workers, right? I mean, and I, I'm curious to know, I mean, well, how if they're employed, they are, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but how people already have coped. I mean, there, there's, and I, I haven't seen any, you know, many reports or scholarship on this, but I'm sure it's being done for, for, you know, how does the, and I guess we'll see a lot more of it this month because school's starting and it's not all, you know, and it's, you know, people are working from, you know, somebody who is a, you know, a, a nurse, a, you know, a, a restaurant worker, a, you know, somebody who drives a truck or delivers things and, but they've got kids at home, you know, and, and the kids are, are learning, or maybe they, they don't have a connection. I mean, how are they doing it? I mean, it's, a, I don't know. humans are, are incredibly uh, resourceful creatures though. I mean, we're really good at, and, and this is not, and, and, you know, to minimize the pickle that an awful lot of people are going to be in or are in already. But, but I, I'm, I think the most ingenious people in the world are the ones that are in the toughest positions. You know, they'll, yes. they'll start figuring Hopefully. out what they can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hopefully. not in every case, but, but in a lot of them, I mean, I think that's part of what, 
part of the part of how we evolved as human beings. You know, we can think of anything, we can we can make anything, we can do anything, and we're we're ambulatory. We can walk off. I mean, I, I'm quite convinced that the the human diaspora is because a lot of us didn't get along with each other, or we just saw greener pastures somewhere else. You know, and so we spread out all over the world. And but we're and we've been ingenious everywhere we've gone. You know, it, it's it's you know an awful lot of that is lost to history because we haven't we can't see it now, but uh, you know, clearly, you know, we're, we can be clever about it. The question is whether or not we get at each other's throats in the meantime, because bad things are going on. I mean, that's, that, that's the thing that worries me. It's too easy to blame other people for what's going, bad stuff that happens. But, um, but I have a lot of faith in, in, in human ingenuity and actually in the, in the ability to self-educate as well. I think, you know, the, you know, what a, one of my favorite stories about homeschooling is a, a friend of mine who's a PhD in statistics was sitting in a plane next to a woman who um, was very successful and she had, well, she had all her kids were successful. As a, that was what the story was. And, and, and uh, she attributed that to their homeschooling. And, and my friend said, well, don't you think some of that had to do with heredity? And she said, I would have thought that too, except they were all adopted. Right. So, you know, people are incredibly able to educate themselves and uh, and on on the whole except when people are doing it for religious indoctrination purposes homeschooling can work really well um i mean not every parent is equipped to do it and not every parent is educated enough to pull it off but but kids itself educate really well too if they're curious and and i've well i mean yes yeah. but if their basic needs are being met i think that's right obviously if the kid's the, hungry yeah, and if the kid's the you know right doesn't have a place to sleep and the rest of it yeah that's gonna be hard yeah it occurred to me i was actually thinking you know i, I we're all we're all idealists here you know and and and, and we mm. we all tend to think that tech technology can can save us i mean or destroy us one or the other depending on the episode but um it could do both it's a, it it's can like, do both at the same it's time it's a dessert even. topping and a floor wax so it, it works <laughs> both ways it is. But, but i thought you know well and you know this is a good opportunity to remind people that we have uh an email address contact us it's i think info at reality com. you have any ideas oh, cool. how to put put nerds and people in need together to, you know because for That's here's a, an example here's an example it, you know let's say i run across you know i have a lot of i have a lot of acquaintances who are teachers let's say one of them has a student and they know that that student is having trouble getting internet access it wouldn't be that difficult for a lot of us to you know, go, go to, here's a plug for the Calix Institute. I'm a fan. Um, go get, buy a uh, prepaid for a year mobile um, hotspot for 500 bucks. It's not going to make or break mm -hmm. us, right? Hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and give it to a family. I think that's a, that's a great idea. There, I just thought of it. <laughs> I've solved yeah, that's a good idea. I, I think that's a really good idea. I think little things like that, I think, yeah. you know, can go a long way. And, Actually, I think you came up with a pretty good name for a nonprofit that doesn't exist, or maybe it does exist with a different name, which is Nerds in Need. Nerds yes. and Need or Nerds Nerd versus Need. need. You yeah, know, there's, I, you there's know. an alliterative quality there that, um, you know, I mean. It's almost like a survivor's yeah. guilt or something. There, I think I've had this conversation with other people who work in technology, and, and we feel like, well, gosh, our, our lives haven't changed that much. It's for our work life. Um, and we feel a little guilty because we're, we're acutely aware that so many people's 
livelihoods are completely destroyed right now, like just destroyed. And uh, I don't know if there, there are some things that we can do to to make any kind of difference to somebody else. I think, you know, we might as well try. So I welcome emails, info at realitygcast.com. Let us know what you think about them. Here's an idea. Um, so Scott Galloway, we can put this in the show notes, um, has a, he teaches at NYU. He's, he's in the tech business and he's, he's a talking head on TV from, uh, as well. Really smart, really punchy, uh, um, good talker, thinker, writer, but more importantly, he, he gathers his grad students or his students, I guess are grad students mostly to work on projects. And one of them is on what to do What you know, basically handicapping the sur- likely survival of, of 500 colleges and universities. And they divide it into four groups. Um, like the ones that are certain to, you know, at the top, right. It was like, here's the ones, the big endowments and uh, high reputations and they're not going to die because they're too pro they're too well off. Like the, the Harvards and Yales and Berkeley's the, you know, the, the great state institutions, um, Michigan, Chicago, Rice. Okay. To get Texas in there, get Houston in there. But the, the ones that are sure to fail uh, include uh, like Kenyon college where my son just graduated from uh, and some others that depend too much on, on, uh, on foreign students that pay full fry, uh, full ride and they're out in the woods somewhere. And uh, but here's, here's the idea, which is, okay, let's say that a quarter of all colleges and universities actually fail. Like things really go to hell and they fail. Well, that casts loose a lot of good teachers. How about reprovisioning those teachers? You know, you, you were teaching geology or history or a language or some other, some scholarly thing. You know, how about, how about creating schools and universities that are online or that are, you know, or just redeploy them into into cities and other places where you need teachers. I mean, I think that's um, there's an interesting idea there somewhere. I mean, because you've got talent, uh, you'll have institutions that are failing. Um, you can redeploy the personnel from those places. Actually, but, that's that's a very interesting point that you bring up, and uh, interesting in that now that a lot of classes, a lot of schools are starting to offer more remote learning programs, you don't have to be physically at the university to be able to teach anymore. So plenty of new opportunities, I would imagine, but there's also the other end of it. And this touches on the last topic that Catherine brought up. And that is there are more and more teachers that are quitting the workforce because of the current situation in that they need to have an adult home so that they can help guide their children through their remote learning. So not only is there, are there teachers being let go from their respective schools and universities, but there are also teachers that are not going back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a comment so, about, teacher income it's they pay so yeah. little that it's just you know, in many cases yeah i mean it's uh, the, beneficial to stay home but i think that there's a um you know i mean like so i mean but i think this may be you know there may be some wealth redistribution in here you know like i think bloomberg just gave what like 100 million dollars to or 300 million dollars or some crazy amount to um 
there's a four letter acronym, historically black HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities or something like that. Um, for medical, for medical stuff, for, to make, for medical schools. It's a great idea. But a similar thing could be done in other ways. I mean, I think, I mean, it might be an interesting thing to create a, a new nonprofit that's nothing but the union of every uh, small liberal arts college or whatever small specialty college around the country to redeploy whatever it is they're doing there. You know, put, put your endowments together, even them out, redeploy the talent, um, wire it up. I just, just all kinds of possibilities you can think about. Uh, and I thought I have here, by the way, is if for, for the people who are listening, send in, send in ideas for that. You know, how would you redeploy the talent uh, and the institutional um, features of, of, you know, the colleges and universities in the country that aren't going to make it? Because some aren't going to make it, you know, some of, gonna, some of them are going to fail. They don't have, you know, Bard, for example, a great college, has nothing for, for an endowment. Um, the college I went to, Guilford in North Carolina, um, was not one of the ones slated for failure, by the way. It was actually in a second from the top group, but I don't know why. It's only like under a thousand students and a very small endowment. So I don't know what their advantage is. There might be something. But, but you know, I, I look at that college and I think it could specialize in something. You know, I mean, a lot of these could just like take one topic and totally specialize on it and be the, be the college for that. That college is one that, um, uh, it's a Quaker college. It's all about passive, you know, has been historically about pacifism. Um, you know, it could be the college of nonviolence, you know, I mean, Oberlin, for example, has been always been about music and the arts, make it even more so, you know, uh, where forget the rest of the liberal arts, just concentrate on the one thing, turn into a Juilliard. Um, uh, you know, likewise with Bard, you know, I mean, I, I think they're, but anyway, it's up to, you know, I'd like to see if any listeners want to weigh in with that. Info at uh, reality at reality2cast. Reality2cast. If it doesn't exist, I'll make sure it does by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It there you go. Well, I sure be- rarely use it. <laughs> Just do it before this goes up, whenever that is. <laughs> Uh, too funny. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that the conclusion we are coming to in this conversation is we'd all just really like to see more positive come out of this than negative. Right. I mean, there, again, I think we, we, we said in a, in, in a podcast early on in this pandemic situation that, you know, there, there are opportunities for innovation and if we can, you know, dig deep and, and, and find them, you know, amidst the distraction of, well, so much, I, you know, I hate to go down that rabbit hole, but there's a lot going on out there right now. And, and, uh, you know, if we can, if we can see through the devastation, let's say, and stop treading water, maybe, uh, you know, maybe some good can come out of it. Maybe we can improve some things. Yeah. So what's, um, I think we've established that we're only going to cover this one topic. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, we probably probably have Facebook for next time. 15 minutes. We could, we could go into, uh, we could go into Facebook. Uh, Yeah. It would be like a little teaser for maybe a more in-depth conversation, but yeah. Okay. I was going to say that's not going to take 15 minutes. Yeah, this, oh, Facebook, that's a can of worms. <laughs> Facebook. Well, see, Facebook is, you know, it's, it, it magnifies any conflict or controversy 
you know, that, that's happening in the world, it, it's, it's under a magnifying glass on Facebook. And I don't know, Facebook is an interesting beast. You know, I never used Facebook very much until I started playing roller derby. And that was how thing, leagues and games and whatnot were organized. And then, and then it became more and more of a marketing channel. So we kind of had to use it, you know, for various things like journal related and, and other things, even though in later years that became a questionable need. Um, but yeah, Facebook is an increasingly unpleasant experience. You're either siloed and everybody thinks the same way as you, and then it's probably okay, or you're not because you're like me and you don't, you know, you want to know what the other people are thinking, right? You want to, well, so I don't want to be surprised when, <laughs> by my different opinions. And, well, here's uh, a, yeah. I mean, we, we, we could save the, uh, you know, the, the current thing that kind of got us going on this, which is that, you know, uh, Facebook is getting a, a cramp over Apple's uh, oh, yeah, promise with OS, uh, iOS 14 to turn on, uh, to basically make, make it required that people will opt into being tracked on, on their phones rather than opt out. Um, that may be the briefest way to put it. But to, to me, the interesting thing about Facebook is what can't be fixed about it. Uh, it is built for engagement, which means that they they're an engagement machine. That's what they do. You know, they, it, the, let's say you have 500 friends. Most of us seem to have about, you know, big, too many friends, but let's say or even a hundred friends, it's going to take the stuff that uh, kind of pisses you off that somebody else says, or that you respond to and the rest of that. They, they create homophily, which is the tendency to, to group with your own kind. And they do it around opinions. They do it around what engages other people, whether it's positive or negative or whatever. But they basically make an amen corner out of every conversation. And, and, that, um, and, and that, that drives up engagement. And then within that, they're busy uh, you know, categorizing you in, in countless ways that are used to aim advertising. And that's not fixable. You know, I mean, they, they hired something like 20,000 people to do what the Wall Street Journal called the worst job in technology, which is looking at human depravity and, mm-hmm. and uh, killing it. And, you know, and there are, there are people of PTSD from having, you know, human beings have a job of looking at awful stuff on Facebook and saying no. And, and that's not even getting into the political stuff. I mean, this is right. just the, the really icky things. And, yeah. um, and it's rather interesting that they need human beings to do this. Robots can't do it. You know, I mean, what I forget who it was, somebody on the Supreme Court, I think, said, I, don't, I can't define porn, but I know it when I see it. Well, this is exactly what the problem is with right. Facebook. You know, you really need human eyes to see that. And, they, and the human eyes can't scale. They can't do it. You know, and I mean, you can't job it. You have to job it out to the entire Philippines or something to make this work. And, and I'm not sure it could in that case. It's just right. it, it, it has a design flaw in the first place that's that I, I actually do think there's a way to overcome it, but it's, it's going to cost them some in income, which is don't, don't make any advertising based on, on characterizing people, make it all about the topics. You know, people are talking about um, hurricanes, then you have, you know, ads that are, that, that are for generators, you know, or, um, you know, if they're talking about um, fashion, then you have ads for cosmetics or whatever, which is the way they've it's, it's happened in, in publications and on radio and TV forever. Do it on Facebook too. 
you know, there's money in that, you know, M- most of the money Go- uh, Google but still probably makes. Probably not enough. <laughs> not enough, no, probably not, enough. probably not. But And they're a publicly traded company. So yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that's, you know. Well, I mean, it, you know, so is Apple, and Apple has succeeded in large part because it, you know, it has the DNA of Steve Jobs, who went out of his way to say early on, "I don't care what the the stock market says, I don't care at all. I'm just going to make what we what's good for the I for the customer." It's almost. It's I don't almost see like, Facebook saying that. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like they need yeah. to cut costs, get rid of the uh, the office building, and have everyone go remote. Hey, that's a nice Well, they client. would. I mean, I think there's a good chance that'll happen anyway. Yeah, I think fact, so. Weren't they one of the companies that said that, or am I thinking of Twitter? I'm not sure. No, I think but, Facebook uh, has everyone going remote right now, yeah, along other indefinitely, big though. tech companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it, there was something interesting. That, my favorite quote in a, an article that, that you wrote, Jock, that I'm going to post a link to was, in, in other words, this is talking about Facebook, it wasn't designed or built to fully account for everything it does. And I think that's kind of the heart mm. of it. They, you know, it, it, it was not built to be even what it is now. It just, it, it came, I mean, they, they obviously, they developed these features, but if you had asked, you know, anybody 15 years ago, what Facebook would be today, I doubt anybody would have given you. Yeah, no, it right started answer. in 06, right? So it's 14 years yeah. old. Um, right. uh, so it's not even old enough to drink or drive. Exactly, you know? and yeah. it's, uh, I, it, I mean, the, the, the thought I'd like to leave people with if we're leaving soon is, is that I just consider the possibility that it cannot be fixed. That as is, I mean, they have like 24 or more. I mean, when I looked at it a couple of years ago, they had 24 data centers around the world, you know, all of them the size of like nuke plants and, you know, kind of tasked to do one kind of thing or a, a, a relatively confined set of things. But that's not to say they can't do other, other things with that. I mean, they could take the whole damn thing and turn it into another AWS, you know, hire no, away I've... a whole bunch of people from Amazon and just turn the whole the whole mess into another one of those since cloud is not going to go away. Cloud's a great business. It's an awesome business. As, as Petros was saying earlier, you know, even if you're doing creative work at home, it's going to be easier to serve it out of somewhere else. Right. So, I mean, they're already doing that anyway, but do more, you know, that yeah. uh, just be a, be a, be a utility, you know, and, or rethink what social is, you know, social doesn't have to be um, exactly what we have now. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I think they're, you know, and, and every company, but but it's hard to change. I mean, every company kind of inherits the its first mission or the personality of its founder. You know, Apple will never get rid of Steve Jobs, and Walmart will never get rid of Sam Walton. You know, just like every company that says Edison in it isn't going to get rid of Thomas Edison. Uh, you know, and Facebook was what Mark Zuckerberg did to find some girls at Harvard. That's what he tried to do. You know, and, yeah. and that's still there. You know, the guy wanted a girlfriend, uh, and. I mean, Google's a little more advantaged in the sense that it's diversified through Alphabet, which is a very smart move. And they had this kind of high-minded thing about uh, indexing all the world's information, uh, all the world's knowledge, I think was their word. That's pretty high-minded. And that's still there, I think. They're, I think that's part of, the, of, of Google's DNA, no matter what else they do. And still make, they still make most of their money from plain old search advertising, which doesn't need to track anybody. So there, but, but if search could go away, I mean, imagine, I mean, that's an interesting thing to think about. What if something better than search comes along? You know? Well, my mind just exploded. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, people, people thought about that a lot back in the nineties, you know, and now, but, but why not? I mean, what if, I mean, basically, 
you know, the, part of the original idea of the web was that it was going to be a big library and everything would, would be part of a big Unix directory. You know, the, every, the, all these directory paths that would go down like, like the library card catalog. You know, you'd go from science down to uh, earth science and to geology and then to, uh, you know, the chemical side of it. And I mean, it, it, it all could fan out like that. But maybe you know, the old static web, the old, you know, the, the world's knowledge that is fairly static, it isn't changing, you know, gets reestablished again. I mean, what if we do create that library for, for stuff that matters? You know, we've talked about that a bit with trying to keep, you know, apparently Linux Journal is now owned by Slashdot, something I don't think anybody ever told us about, but there it is, you know. Who, uh, who saw that coming? Randomly. Yeah, but I mean, at least they're saving it. I mean, they're saving, yeah, the, no, it's, it's they're saving the website. Hey, Kudos for up. them. Yeah. You know, the, uh, and, but, you know, we've wanted to keep that from being 404 for a long time. I mean, uh, half of the stuff I've written is in there, not half, probably less, but a huge percentage of what I've written in my life is in, Lin in 24 years of Linux journal. Um, I'd, I'd rather not see that get 404, you know, and I, and, uh, you know, saying it's in the internet archive, I, I love the internet archive, but try and search through that. It's, this, uh, it's very, very hard. It's not, that is not a directory. That is that is weird, and 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 I love what Bruce Kale and his team have done. It's 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 the Lord's work, but it is it isn't the final state of what we need in in a static web. You know, we need that Unix that set of Unix paths that we sort of imagined out in the first place. You know, and that Yahoo was about basically. It's like we're going to keep track of all this stuff. You know, didn't happen, but maybe we could. I still so ask Jeeves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes, geez. I forgot about yes, geez. I duck. I just duck. Duck it yeah. all. Duck everything. Duck, duck, duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, you know, I, I guess I don't really know that much about Facebook's revenue model, but I, I wonder if they, they could ever, they could ever duplicate the amount of revenue they get from the uh, complex targeting that they do enough well, to free themselves from it. I, I don't know. I mean, you know. Well, several, no. I, I'll have to bother one of my friends, but I mean, that worked for Facebook, but one of them that I met at a party in the UK last summer um, told me this in some detail, which is that the vast majority of Facebook's income is not like from politics or anything around that. It's, it's, it's actually small advertisers is little, little advertisers, the guy with the tackle shop, the nail salon, the, yeah, you know, the, the, the places in strip malls. I mean, it, it, because you can, you can advertise quite cheaply on Facebook yes. if you narrow what you're looking for. And a lot of that's geographical. So, so I'm thinking, you know, I, again, I think that they, they, if they just went for contextual advertising and not for the tracking based kind, um, they might be fine. They might do fine. I mean, I think the, the big wake up call that maybe Apple is sending out, um, is that the, the age of tracking is over. And you know what? Not much came out of it anyway. I mean, a lot of it was delusional. It, it, was, it was a great big, a, a great, a gigantic illustration of how to lie with statistics. You know, the, the classic book. In fact, I was at a little mini conference in, in um, Oregon a couple summers ago on that very topic. You know, where, you know, what I think how to lie with statistics was written in the 50s or 40s or 30s, something like that. Did any of you ever look at that? Ever, no. We're not forced to look at that no. book. No. I flunked statistics in college, but then I kept the book and used it later. But um, 
but there were two books. One was a big fat book and another one is a little tiny thin book called How to Lie with Statistics. I think the whole thing may be like Strunk and White. It may be, you know, the elements of style. It may be out of, it may be the whole thing is online at this point, but it's, and it's all fairly obvious stuff. You know, you can use math to make tendentious arguments about anything. Uh, and that's kind of what we have with, you know, with, uh, with, with tracking based online advertising, you know, where you get a report saying, yeah, you made so many impressions, you've done this and this and this and this. And then we had, we had uh, Augustine Fu on here a few months ago talking about that. He's done since then amazing research on what percentage of, of, of clicks or bots. I mean, who clicks on an ad 72 times? You know, I mean, only a bot will do that. I mean, no human being will do that. If it's my ad, I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got to you've got to pay for that ad. You got to pay for those seventy-two times you clicked. Right. This um, is true. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I think we're we're at, we're at an hour. We're How an did hour? we okay. get here? <laughs> uh, orally, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we, is there any like? parting wisdom that we want to my parting my parting one is um two things one is make it clear that uh, high listeners you need to know this this is the first time we did this we've done this and so uh um bear with us and but the other thing is send in ideas and suggestions and feedback you know Send it yeah. to was it is info info or, at reality two cast reality two cast yeah yes um, welcome your your emails yeah. um, we know you're out there because I've seen you tweet at us so and we yeah. the download st- statistics suggest that there are in fact people listening quite a there few. are people listening this is good <laughs> we know yeah. you're there email people, us we ha- we use that we use that word plurally so <laughs> although we don't have any I don't necessarily have evidence they've made it this far <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody.